Hi everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show and thank you very much. This show is sponsored by Liquid.com. Be the change. And also by Crypto 101's Chinese Guide to Cryptocurrency. Pick it up November 1st wherever you buy your ebooks or paperbacks. Yo, yo, welcome back to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron. And we always talk about what government's going to do with cryptocurrency. What's happening in the United States? When is the United States government going to back blockchain or Bitcoin? When is the European Union going to back it? What about the UK? Then you hear China FUD. You hear about them banning Bitcoin, banning ICOs. And you hear about blockchain oasis around the world, Malta. Puerto Rico and the people who are trying to advocate for those places. But what about Asia? Well, as most listeners know, I live in Taiwan and Taiwan is one of the most progressive countries in Asia. And with that, they are very bullish and progressive in terms of blockchain, blockchain startups and blockchain technology. And I am honored to welcome Mr. Jason Xu, legislator at large, who Vitalik has named the crypto congressman, onto the show today to tell us about the progressive steps that Taiwan is making to be the island oasis of Asia for blockchain technology, startups, cryptocurrency for the future. Before we get into that conversation, please go to crypto101podcast.com. Social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram can join all there. You can hit the contact button, send me an email, say what's up, criticism, questions, comments, all are welcome. I always reply. Please do us a favor. Go to iTunes, rate us, subscribe, and leave us a comment. It helps us stay visible for people to find this show. And remember, you can listen to us on all kinds of platforms. I think there's over a hundred platforms where you can listen to us on from soundcloud to Castbox to stitcher to google play if there's a place to leave a comment please leave a comment and tell them how much you like the show and now without further ado here is jason shu legislator at large aka the crypto congressman we'll see you after the show jason shu legislator at large Welcome to Crypto 101. Hi, Matt. Good to see you. Yeah, man. You too. Likewise. It's been a long time coming. We've been going back and forth for quite a quite a bit, and I'm very happy to get a little bit of your time to come on and tell everyone about Taiwan and Taiwan's march to the future in blockchain and cryptocurrency. Sure. I'm glad to be here. Before we go into that, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Jason. I am... Born and raised here in Taiwan, and I grew up in the southern Taiwan in a night market. Both my parents ran food stalls in night market, and I went to Taipei for college. And then after college, I moved to San Francisco, and I, I did a, a couple of startups in uh, Silicon Valley. I stayed there from 2000 to 2006, and then I moved back to Taiwan and go work in China for a couple of years and moved back, and then I start running TEDx Taipei, and I ran TEDx Taipei from 2009 to 2016. And in 2014, I was invited to be an advisory member to the premier, and I participated in a lot of uh, government meetings in technology, entrepreneurship, and innovation. 
And so in the end of 2015, I was recruited to be a, a party nomination list as a, uh, a large legislator focusing on technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship. So my role in the legislature here in Taiwan is to help entrepreneurs to remove legal barriers for technology and uh, startups. Right on, man. They call you the crypto congressman. Why did you get that name? That's right. Yeah. When you combine the two together, crypto and congressman, it almost sounds like a scam. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I, got this, I got this nickname from uh, Vitalik Buterin, the uh, uh, creator of Ethereum. He and I bonded and become friends. And it all started in 2017, September 4th, when China banned ICO. And during that same week, I held a, uh, a public policy debate on crypto and blockchain with Taiwan's premier. And I had officially asked for his support to crypto and blockchain industry here in Taiwan. And that news sort of become popular and Vitalik came to Taipei. And at the time, he had hired some people for his Ethereum foundation in Taipei. And so we became friends. And he started calling me crypto congressman on a uh, video interview with other media. And so that sort of kind of spread out different places. And now I got this official title. Originally it was a nickname, but now it's become an uh, official title now and printed on my business card. And I had to get it approved by the uh, Speaker of the House. So I'm very happy now it's an official, <laughs> a.k.a. crypto congressman. Yeah, That's hilarious. Uh, first, yeah. that's amazing that Vitalik gave you a nickname. And second, yeah. that's, that's awesome that you had to petition the Speaker of the House so you can use that as your title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a gift to this show, I'm going to send your audience some um, crypto congressman t-shirts oh, and right I'll, send it, yeah, I'll send it to you matt and so you can give it away that's awesome thank you very much i know we're going to appreciate it before we go into what work you're doing in taiwan for crypto let's talk about taiwan in general taiwan's a small country most of crypto 101's audience is the united states the uk and australia and there's a lot of other countries european and asia Let's first talk about what is Taiwan. Let's talk about where it is, the history, the politics, the industry, what it was and what it is now. And so people know just a little bit about the culture and Taiwan in general. Yeah, so Taiwan is in a very interesting place in the world right now. It all started in actually, you know, goes back to 1949 when Taiwan and China were still kind of fighting internally. And then Kuomintang KMT lost the battle with the Communist Party and then retreated from mainland China to Taiwan. And it was during that time that Taiwan started to kind of grow and also a lot of uh, major constructions and all the roads, highways, airports were being built after 1949 when China was occupied by a Communist Party. And in 1979, China pushed UN to recognize One China, where the official uh, China at the time was still Taiwan, which is the Republic of China, uh, which is different than People's Republic of China, which is today's mainland China. So Taiwan, or ROC, Republic of China, was forced to leave the UN. And ever since then, we were sort of in this ambiguous state 
Taiwan is not recognized by the UN as a member of states, but we, you know, have our own government, our monetary system, our economy, our military. So I would say our official title is Republic of China, RC. But today I have a vision for Taiwan to become Republic of Cryptocurrency, which is also ROC in the future. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, so that's kind of a short crash course of the Taiwan's uh, uh, history. Yeah. So Taiwan is a democracy. Is it a parliamentary system or is it more like the United States? Yeah. So this is what essentially what differentiates Taiwan and mainland China. Taiwan is a democracy and we promote the uh, freedom of speech and human rights and democracy system. So our system is a hybrid of parliamentary system and presidential system. We directly elect our president and then president appoint a premier, which is sort of equivalent of prime minister. And then premier assembles the uh, cabinet members and uh, ministers. And on the parliamentary side, we have one house, which is 113 members. And we now have four parties representing the uh, legislature. Uh, there's a ruling party, Democratic Progressive Party, DPP, which owns 68 seats of the uh, current legislature. And there's KMT, the previous ruling party, which I belong to right now, which owns 35 seats. And then you have New Power Party, which is a, a newly minted party after the Sunflower Student Protest Movement in 2014. They have uh, four members in the legislature. And you have People's Power Party, which is kind of a breakaway from the old KMT. They also uh, have three seats in the legislature. So together we have 113 seats. And it's similar to the U.S. as a check and balance system. So the legislature has the right to oversee and supervise the budget approval, elect the law, uh, amend the law, and uh, question the cabinet on their policies, and etc. And the executive branch, which is led by the premier, is responsible to the legislature and also uh, answers to president as well. Our system is somewhat complicated, but I would say it's a similar system to the French system and the Korean system. Taiwan is actually a pretty progressive place. Taiwan has a woman president. Yeah. It's the first place in Asia to legalize gay marriage, and mm -hmm. there's a universal health care in Taiwan. Is that correct? Correct, yeah. That's amazing. So with that progressiveness, now you're pushing for cryptocurrency like a little yeah. island oasis in Asia. Mm -hmm. First, where did your inspiration and your personal passion for cryptocurrency come from? I basically sort of grew up in a kind of marginalized part of society, which is a night market. So I'm always looking for ways to be creative and also to kind of make it on my own. Can we yeah. first define what is a night market? I know what a night market is, you do, but I don't know if the listeners do. Oh, okay. So in Taiwan, we have this special kind of market at night, and it's normally going from you know 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. in the morning, where a bunch of stalls they come out and they set up their stands and selling food or you know selling some products. And it's very entrepreneur. You know, everyone you know can set up a stand there and then can grow you know their business. And a lot of existing retail chain stores start from night markets. 
and you know, and it's sort of a, a spirit of Taiwan's entrepreneur oh, kind wow. of uh, attitude. Yeah. So I grew up in that environment. My mom owns a beauty parlor in a night market. So when I was growing up, I always, you know, see my mom working and then in a late night and then just try to, you know, provide services for customer and clients. So why do you say it's marginalized? Uh, it's marginalized because, you know, it doesn't really belong to any kind of a social infrastructure and you see people kind of finding their own way out. You know, a lot of people here are sort of on the bottom of the social pyramid and yet their spirit is formidable and then have a lot of uh, strength in it. Yeah. So from this, you said your cryptocurrency passion came about. What is it about cryptocurrency that you latched onto? Yeah, basically, I've been around in different places and living in different countries and also working and starting up businesses. And when I look at today's world, we are really looking at the hegemony and superpower combating each other and the U.S. and China going against each other. And the competition is fierce. But if you look at Taiwan's strength, we, we can't compete on the size and on the scale but we can be different. We can differentiate ourselves by offering something different. Mm -hmm. And so when, when China banned ICO on September 4th, 2017, a lot of projects leave China. And I noticed a lot of them come knocking on the door of Taiwan. And I realized this is a chance for Taiwan to assert influential place in the world. And also at the time, the, uh, the whole crypto scene was really start to pick up. And Japan was enforcing a high regulation. And I feel if Taiwan positioned ourselves correctly or embrace the uh, technology, and we can really attract a lot of uh, projects and investments and as well as ideas and projects. And I think the other thing to think about is today's political climate leaves very little space for Taiwan to advance in the international community. And we need to be smart about how we position ourselves. So the way I see it is Taiwan should position ourselves as the Switzerland of Asia. And if we can provide mm -hmm. the secure deposit for digital assets and creating Taiwan as the blockchain tech island and position ourselves as a crypto nation, then we will open up a host of opportunities for people who rather oppose to the current economic system, which is controlled by major enterprises and conglomerates. Mm -hmm. And then I feel crypto and blockchain, especially the underlying technology of blockchain is decentralized and Taiwan would be a perfect place for such a technology to grow and to thrive. And I think this is a great path for Taiwan to focus on. And now a word from our sponsor, Liquid.com. Liquid.com is a cryptocurrency trading platform with dozens of listed cryptos in multiple fiat pairs such as Japanese yen, US dollars, Australian dollars, Singapore dollars, euros, Hong Kong dollars, and more. On the surface, Liquid is a regulation-friendly exchange with a serious focus on security, liquidity, and user experience. However, under the hood, you'll find the proprietary World Bank technology, which seamlessly matches orders between trading pairs and significantly increases liquidity. No longer is trading confined to a single trading pair. 
Liquid provides exclusive access to hand-picked ICOs. All ICOs go through a rigorous due diligence process conducted by experts ensuring only the best quality products make it through. Complete KYC once on Liquid and then enjoy investing in ICOs with a few simple clicks on a secure platform safe from malicious activity. And soon you can invest in ICOs directly with Fiat. Liquid was built by Coin with an aim to bridge the gap between traditional finance and token economies. The Coin team consists of banking and finance veterans from top-tier investment banks such as SoftBank, Goldman Sachs, and Merrill Lynch. Liquid is a complete cryptocurrency ecosystem built to service both individual and institutional investors at the highest level. To sign up for a Liquid account, go to the show notes, click my referral link, and get $10 added to your account after you trade $100. And before you sign up, please do your own research and make sure that your country is one of the countries that Liquid services. Now, back to the show. So since 2017, you've been on this initiative to push through legislation and make a system where people that are starting up cryptocurrency or blockchain companies can flourish in Taiwan. What kind of pushback are you getting? What's the barriers that you have to break down to get this through? You know, it's actually an uphill battle. Well, first of all, a lot of people associate crypto and blockchain with scams and also money laundering, multi-level marketing and stuff like that. So as a first step, you know, it's always important to educate the uh, general public and as well as my peers in the legislature. When I first mentioned the world crypto, our premier was stunned and he thought he was looking at something that's associated with crime or mm-hmm terrorism or drug dealing and stuff like that he probably thought a little bit of something about you too he was probably like oh who's this guy yeah but i think you can stop the people from wanting something that they believe can express their individuality and their liberty and as well as their their creativity and i think today's global economy is sort of hitting a bottleneck and in general young kids have a very little chance of excelling in society. And if we enable new ways for them to either you know, utilize their talents and then to raise money from the world and then provide a sound and healthy environment for them to be protected and also they can prosper, I think it will be a great opportunity for Taiwan. Now think about the things that are really challenging today's uh, crypto world. Number one, definitely, is regulation. Mm-hmm. If you look at the evolution of the uh, digital economy and take, you know, internet for example, you know, when internet first came out, regulators are saying, "Oh, we need to regulate this space, and we need to put in, you know, some sort of a parameter walls and stuff like that." But then the existing businesses and enterprises are afraid of losing control, uh, being disrupted, and stuff. Today's blockchain and crypto is basically no difference than that. But what I argue about regulation is too early regulation is bad regulation, but too late regulation is also bad regulation. Right. So what do we need to do? We need to ensure regulation evolves as the technology evolves. You know, and I also need to ensure that some sort of exemption and waiver or sandbox is created so that experiments can be made without legal liability and then the laws 
can be innovative as well to drive the uh, technology. Can you define a couple of things and maybe expand on a couple of things that you said? One, what is a sandbox and what other crypto initiatives or incentives did you help pioneer for Taiwan to allow people to start up businesses here? Yeah. So first of all, we passed a financial technology regulatory sandbox law on December 27th, 2017. And it is basically a set of laws that would provide legal exemption for fintech startups to experiment. So say if you want to sell insurance online, and normally you can because existing laws just don't allow you to do so. But then you can apply to get into sandbox with a testing period of two years and with a conditional extension for an extra year. So three years in total. And then within the sandbox, the experiments that you do will be exempt from legal liability. And then we will move to amend the law if necessary. And so take that model and apply to blockchain and crypto. So say I'm a, I'm a blockchain company. I, I want to put users' medical data on blockchain. Now, there's no, no regulation for it. But a regulation doesn't say you cannot do it. But can you do it or not? So it's kind of ambiguous. It's in a gray area. Right. So you, you apply for sandbox, then you will be then officially recognized by both the government. And then we will be looking at ways with which if your business proves to be no harm to the users, and then we will move to amend the law, and then we, which will open up the opportunities for, for the future. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. So sandbox law. And secondly, I championed the legislature to set up the uh, parliamentary coalition for blockchain. And this is for legislators on both aisles to come together to form an alliance to get behind the industry. And so we have 20 legislators out of 113 in this blockchain caucus. And we are working together bipartisan to develop laws and to look at regulations and et cetera, to really help the industry to form a good regulations. And secondly, I also set up self-regulatory organizations. Now, this is for the industry, which is still quite early and quite the technology is nascent, to develop a self-regulatory code of conduct. And with this self-regulatory organization, I am chairman and president. This platform is serving as a communication vehicle with FSC and Ministry of Justice, which is in charge of anti-money laundering. FSC is a governing body of the crypto industry here in Taiwan. It's Mm -hmm. Financial Supervisory Commission. Now, they are looking into working with the industry, the self-regulatory organization, to develop the code of conduct. So this is a a much better mechanism than set up an ironclad law to regulate the industry. If you set up a law which is difficult to change and it's time-consuming, it's sometimes arguable whether or not it's a good method or not. It's not flexible. But I feel with a crypto, it's a transaction of value. So it's important that the regulators and the industry players can work hand in hand. There must be a high level of trust between the industry and the regulators to believe that they can help each other. Because otherwise, it will kill the industry and then there will be a lot of scams and et cetera. So in terms of the 
regulations. I've already introduced the amendments of Article 5 to the Anti-Money Laundering Act, which would basically include cryptocurrencies to be regulated as a anti-money laundering category, which provides the legal foundations for all the crypto exchanges to be regulated. Mm -hmm. So if foreign exchange wants to come and then land in Taiwan, you now have a legal foundation now. And secondly, I am working to develop a uh, taxation package for exchanges and also crypto companies to be exempt for a certain tax. Right now, it's a VAT charge per transaction, buy and sell coin. And we are, we're now looking to lift that and also to create some sort of other mechanism. And the next, we will be looking into security tokens offering framework in 2019. How do these initiatives that you are pushing forward in the legislature differ from other countries. We always hear in the news about Malta. Malta, Malta yeah. is, you know, this very friendly place. Would Taiwan be the Malta of Asia? Yeah, good question. You know, that's essentially what I am pushing for. Malta, I think, you know, historically has been a little bit of a tax kind of haven or kind of position itself as the uh, place to get licenses for special purpose businesses. And Taiwan is a little different than that because we have industries, like solid industries, for example, computer industry, semiconductor industries, and uh, other kind of um, heavy duty industries as well. So we, we are very prudent when we say we want to become a blockchain island. And we don't want to go directly as the kind of a tax haven or whatever the Cayman or BVI is doing. We are thinking of position of Taiwan as the blockchain tech island. That is that uh, we are working to develop talent as the anchor for blockchain strategies uh, in Taiwan. So imagine we develop a set of programs to connect uh, blockchain technology with existing businesses. For example, auto. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three-in-one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition, and it has AI self-learning chips, so the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery, and it lasts around four months, but don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice, and also, it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recording. Recordings, they're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy Video Lock is 24-7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have, and it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Another industry, for example, IoT, smart cities, food industry, agricultural industries. We have a goal to bring in startups and funds to Taiwan to invest in blockchain technology. On the crypto side, we want to be a little bit more cautious in that exchanges are welcome because we are putting together laws in place and I'm helping several exchanges to land in Taiwan. We want to ensure a fair competition, but we also want to be very careful and also be responsible as a good citizen practice for that matter as well. So on the blockchain side, I am setting up a blockchain special economic zone, which is kind of an alternative method as what Mota is doing. A 12,000 square meter special economic zone will open in New Taipei City, which will boast space uh, investment matching schemes and uh, fast track one shopping window services for all blockchain companies to come and land in Taiwan. And we have a goal to bring in 200 global startups to Taiwan and also attract funds and VCs. And also to increase the uh, investments as well, uh, we are setting up a blockchain ignition fund, which will be a $100 million fund to invest in, in blockchain startups. Oh, wow. And yeah, and That's startups, huge. Yeah, and startups that have actual use case and implementation on blockchain. So instead of you know saying, oh, we try to promote crypto, we, I should say we try to enable the uh, lifestyle experiences that are powered by crypto and blockchain. Right. So in that special economic zone, we are putting together retail shops that were basically you can use crypto to pay for your food. You can go to a supermarket. Oh, wow, That's awesome. Yeah. You can use your phone to pay for your daily groceries that are traced on blockchain. So all of this is to kind of make sure that general public, average consumer is well informed and have the access to the technology and experience to it. This is what mass adoption and the shift to mass adoption looks like right here is people in Congress just pushing forward for laws and making it easy for people to start up businesses and providing funds and providing help and support. And then not only that, creating paths for the average consumer to buy things with crypto or use blockchain products. This is what it looks like. Yeah, correct. And I'm excited about this because I feel right now we are sort of still in a somewhat downturn market, a bear market. And now it's the best time to focus on technology. I feel the past two years or 18 months craziness has finally kind of slowed down and <laughs> and during that period too much focus or too much money was on the price of crypto and right. the, I, you know we've seen this project raise you know a uh, incredible amount of money but they didn't really deliver so I feel we should focus on putting the technology to the hands of the people right. that who can use it and who can actually feel the benefit and the impact of this technology. And that's why I want to push for this sort of lifestyle experience enabled by blockchain. Taiwan has a lot of global companies, and I don't know if a lot of people know that they're Taiwanese companies. Foxconn is Taiwanese, correct? Yeah, correct. HTC is Taiwanese? Yeah, yeah. So I'm also Acer. working with... 
Acer, exactly. Asus, you know. And I'm also working with these major companies who develop the uh, blockchain projects. For example, I'm working with HTC on this crypto phone. Uh, okay. They had recently come out with this phone called Exodus. Basically, it's a smartphone and that can be used as a cold wallet or digital wallet oh, to right store. On. Yeah, to store your your crypto, and you can use it to. HTC transact. is developing that. Exactly, they are coming out this Q4 this year, and wow, uh, that's so, huge. Yeah, so I'm working with HTC and as well as to create a digital identity solution embedded in a phone that you can ship to refugees or the uh, developing countries around the world that you can use it to manage your data and also to manage your digital assets and to transact uh, micro payments. So I feel this is really huge to really put Taiwan's tech talents on a grandeur use. That's huge. Hey everyone, I am super excited to tell you this special news. Crypto 101 wrote a book. It's called Johnny's Guide to Cryptocurrency. And in this book, we follow an old friend of ours, Johnny, who has been popping up in episodes for over the past year to get the 101s on technology, terminology, and blockchain. And in this book, he goes through everything a noob might need to know about getting into crypto. From the FOMO, the FUD, the 14 stages of emotions, the terminology, the technology, and it's all wrapped up in an amazing story following Johnny, his family, and his friends. It's not a boring read, and it's for everyone, for your kids, for your parents, for yourself. So please keep an eye open for Johnny's Guide to Cryptocurrency coming the beginning of November, so you can pick it up for your family, your friends, for Christmas. Now, back to the show. What are some of your favorite Taiwanese blockchain startup companies? There's a lot here. I mean, there's the exchange. There's MyCoin, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's Formosa Financial, I'm pretty sure. What are yeah. some of the other ones that you have that around that? And what, what do they do? What are some of your favorites? Yeah, good question. Um, so I'm now looking to build uh, blockchain verticals. And for example, I'm, I'm now looking at agricultural sector or that kind of look using blockchain to trace the source of their produce, livestock companies and using medical and AI blockchain. That's one category. And I'm also looking at the IoT and uh, transportation, smart city related. That's also one category. And other content creation, for example, intellectual property, that's also one category. And also other consumer-oriented solutions. For example, blockchain of Airbnb, blockchain of Uber. Um, I'm looking at identifying startups that are using blockchain and also token economics to develop ideas and projects in this space. And just to name a few, um, on the exchange side, obviously you have MyCoin and BitoX. You know they are they are doing well in their own regard. But on the blockchain te technology, there's our team. It's a blockchain company that provides services to trace the uh, source of the uh, agricultural produce. And they've been invested by SoftBank. That's pretty good on projects. Right, that's and also on the pure crypto side, I feel there's a, a few interesting players that I'm looking at to find out what would they do with the resources on their hands. For example, 
my my friend Jeff, who created M17, kind of a live streaming company, and now he's also did a uh, crypto project called Mithro. Yeah, we Mithro. had Jeff on the show. Actually, Jeff yeah. was on our sister podcast, ICO 101. Oh, cool. Yeah, so Jeff is a buddy of mine, and I think he's he's had a good run with Meth, and now he's got some resources on his hand. And I just had a chat with him, and I encouraged him to set up a Meth fund to develop an ecosystem. You know, what I feel it's imperative to do is to get those tokens to be used, because it's important that the token itself has to have a uh, ecosystem so that it provides liquidity and also can increase the uh, useability among the users. So I'm bullish on, you on sound, these guys. You sound very bullish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, on these guys. And I feel, I see these guys when they first started their own project and I'm constantly in touch with them and I want to make sure they're also on the right track, you know, and uh, I have to make sure that I, I, uh, I provide access to them when they needed the regulatory advice and also make sure that our regulation does not come too strongly to at them we host SRO committee meetings every two weeks, which I, you know, happy to invite you, Matt, to come along and to sit in one of our regulatory meetings. Oh, that'd be uh, awesome, regular. man. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Now we, we have 100 companies registered with our self-regulatory organization and um, a lot of interesting projects now are being created now. A lot of people don't know. Crypto 101 wrote a blog and we put it into six languages for you know because taiwan is a very international island there's a lot of different cultures and languages here and so we translated into six languages how to buy bitcoin at family mart it's one of the only places i know you can actually go to family mart and buy bitcoin yeah so uh you can buy bitcoin in uh, family mart and okay life and through MyCoin and BitOx. And actually, I just helped them solve a ban from uh, FSC. FSC recently came out with a ban to restrict the uh, Family Mart and co other convenience stores to continue to sell Bitcoins on their ATM. And now I put together a meeting between FSC and uh, these two exchanges for them to provide the necessary KYC and also to for them to develop a regular technology software to help our regulators to better monitor the irregular tradings. Uh, so it was you then, because I remember you can go into Family Mart with a little bit of money, buy it, they yeah. give you a ticket, and then you get a Bitcoin put into your wallet. Now you need yeah. your passport and your ID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I feel sometimes when regulators do not have enough information and they might have misread a lot of uh, signals and also the uh, industry must have better communication to inform the regulators what technology can do to help them. And I think a lot of this is a technology issue, not so much as a regulatory issue. You said a lot of things that you want to do. You have big plans. You're moving forward slowly, incrementally, and Taiwan is becoming the blockchain oasis that you want it to be. But what is the realistic possibility that all of your plans will actually come to light? That's, a, that's an interesting question. I think break into small steps. Number one is we must make sure that the regulation is in place and we must make sure that different departments of governments work together with the industry. So I think there are four layers that I have in mind to implement a uh, long-term strategy for blockchain uh, in Taiwan. Number one is obviously to provide grants and uh, resources for fundamental blockchain uh, research and the technology development. 
we need to do this and roll out on a massive scale among universities and, and the research institutes uh, around the island to ensure that researchers or professors who are studying this technology can get resources to publish paper and can hire teams and then can work with startups to develop actual technology and usability. And number two is on the executive branch perspective, we should enable more industries, more enterprises to use blockchain technology to transform their existing businesses. For example, on the financial sector, on the cross-border remittance, on the uh, food industry, on the cybersecurity, on the port authority, and the supply chain, trade finance. I think there are programs we need to come up with to support these industries to use blockchain and really to champion that. And another layer is the law must continue to evolve. And also, whenever we make the amendments on certain laws, we must allow the industry to know that we are moving ahead and then we must continuously work with them, solicit their opinions when we are amending the law or when we are creating new regulations. And most importantly, on the very top is education. Mm -hmm. Education has two layers. One is we must create school programs so that talent can be developed in universities. And we must provide enough of education and information so that general public is well informed when they enter the crypto investments and stuff like that. So I think these are the four layers that I feel it's important for long-term strategy. Congressman, you're working hard. You're working very, very hard to get Non-stop. time. Non-stop. I, I, I uh, know we've been going back and forth for weeks trying to get on a, on a phone call. You're busy flying around and meeting, legislating, going to parliament to vote on legislation and bills all the time. After all of your hard work, 10 years from now, where do you want Taiwan to be? 10 years from now, I think Taiwan deserves a place in the world with recognition on our contributions to the world. And I want to use blockchain to maximize our contribution to the world. And I also want Taiwan to be known as a place with the democratic value, with a liberal system that people from around the world, if they want to find a place to excel and to develop their creativity, they come to Taiwan. And one of my most important legislations since I've become a legislator so far is I championed the same-sex marriage law. I put out the bill for legalized uh, same-sex marriage. And I'm very, very happy that Taiwan can lead this space to legalize same-sex marriage. Well, that and was I feel, you. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, uh, wow. I'm very, very excited that in 2019, May 24th, Taiwan will become the first country in Asia to do that. Congratulations I, with that. Thank you very much. It's amazing. And, and I continue to think that if we can continue to uphold these values and uh, to provide space and a room for those who want to develop new ideas, them to come to Taiwan, we can truly become a global citizen hub. So if somebody was listening to this right now and they were thinking about doing a startup, they were, or maybe they have a startup in the blockchain space, maybe they have ICO funds raised, maybe they are looking for a place to settle down and develop and grow their business. 
what would be the path that you would tell them so they can get established in Taiwan? Well, first of all, do some research online and think there are informations regarding how to get entrepreneurship visa. Uh, we have an entrepreneurship visa that you can apply that will give you certain benefits if you come and set up companies in Taiwan. And secondly, uh, you can read about all the laws, the fintech sandbox, uh, etc. that I talked about. Um, look into those. And secondly, feel free to email me, congress.jason at gmail.com. I answer my email personally and uh, happy to chat with you. And lastly, I would say, Maddie moved to Taiwan. Here's a good place to live. And it's pretty comfortable here. And I would encourage you to also make a trip to Taiwan and to check out the scene. I might be happy to meet with you and stuff like that. Yeah. Right on, man. I hope that some of the listeners take you up on that offer, send you an email and come to Taiwan, check it out, and maybe buy you a beer or two. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, correct. Do you, do you mind if I ask you some general questions? Yeah, go ahead. Who do you respect in the crypto space? If you're, you know, reading a blog or watching the news or, you know, sw- flipping through Twitter, who is the person that you always read what they write or listen to what they say? Good question. I don't generally follow like any particular persons online. And obviously, I ask people the things that I don't know, the technology, you know, I ask Vitalik. And uh, if they're on the investment side of things, and I ask my friends in the investment community, I'm almost like a theme-focused person. So I look at a, a, a certain topics with ideas in mind, and I would try to verify those ideas. And then I don't generally believe in things that I read. I sort of talk to different people and form my own philosophy. So I would say people that I, I work with, people that I have trust, that I consult their opinions with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and I'm, I'm recently coming out with a new initiative called One Crypto Road. And I haven't talked about this in uh, too much in detail other places, but I'm happy to share on this podcast. No, oh, please. Yeah, so I, I issue a token called OCW. It's a one crypto world. And I only issue a thousand tokens on ERC-20. And it's a token of zero value, but it's distributed to a thousand influencers and uh, global opinion leaders in the crypto and blockchain world and as a proof of support to my policies. And for those who get my tokens can vote and or provide feedback on the blockchain policies that I am thinking about. I also publish a white paper on all the initiatives and the programs and the problems that I want to solve. So the people who I've already given out 20 tokens and the people that I've given are people like you know Vitalik, and the uh, ex-UN Secretary General Pan Ki-moon. Kim Draper also gets one. The mayor of Seoul, uh, Mayor Park, also gets one. And right now I'm forming this community who believe in the long-term sustainability and social impact and blockchain for good philosophy that we will come together to solve the problems with blockchain technology. And like I said, I feel the current constraint is we've only scratched the surface and we need to ensure that we get the technology in the hands of the people who need it. And, you know, for example, with a hyperinflation problem in Venezuela and uh, Zimbabwe, how can we use blockchain to kind of uh, help them ease that situation? You know, and, and a lot of the, the, the things that I, I care about, I hope that we can put the technology to good use. So I'm happy to work with your community, Matt. If there's anyone that you think 
that want to be in this community, I'm happy to talk with them. And obviously, Matt, um, you know, generously appreciate your efforts to choose Taiwan to be your base here. And I'm glad to announce that I will provide one crypto world token to you. Really? Yes. Congressman, yeah. I'm honored. That's a that's a hell of a list that I'm getting a token with. Uh, I don't know what to say. Besides, yeah, so thank you, you are, sir. You are here with the CEO of Binance, Tim Draper, governor of Jeju Island, South Korea, you know, and uh, Pan Ki-moon, Vitalik. So, um, yeah. And, so. and now Matthew Aaron with the One Crypto World token. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm almost speechless. I know I have to do an interview now and keep asking you questions, but I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, like, I like to say I think we need to really rethink the whole concept of value. I feel that when Tim Berners-Lee created Internet 30 years ago, he was envisioning a free open sharing space for information. But now today's Internet is arguably controlled by seven giant companies with the data and et cetera. But blockchain or the crypto is really given a second chance to make this right. If we can all work together to make this right, I think our humanity would be better off in the future, in the days to come. This is almost the same question of what you just said, but I have to ask this question because it's one of my favorite questions I ask in every interview. If this was the first podcast, if you were the first person that a new person getting into the space was listening to, what would you want to tell them? What would you want them to know about blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the future? I would say go buy a small amount of Bitcoin. You know, buy like $50 or $100 and then just read about it and educate it yourself. And, you know, Satoshi's white paper came out in 2009. And it's no coincidence that it came out the same year that Lehman Brothers and other major financial institutions bankrupt. And if you look at what happened in that particular year, it is not coincidence. It's the world pushing back to a capitalism of an overly leveraged world. And if you look at the development of social economy today, think about if one day you can have the ownership of the assets completely on your own and you can use it without a subjecting to the third party's intervention. You can completely have the financial liberty. And I think it's something worth studying. And most of the people associate value with money or the banking notes. But we must think about a new trust system that eventually truly validate the ownership of our own assets. And that's what I believe today's uh, blockchain is promising and offering. Congressman, before I ask you this last question, I want to say thank you very much for an hour out of your day to come on Crypto 101 and to tell us about Taiwan. I really love the progressiveness of Taiwan, the initiatives, and to hear what you are doing in the legislature and pushing through bills that are progressive in cryptocurrency and blockchain and same-sex marriage. And that's just a very inspirational. Everything you said today was just inspirational to know that even in this bear market, while not much chatter is going on, while everybody's a little depressed, there's still people working very hard for a better future. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm glad to be here on your podcast and uh, 
let me know if there's anything I can be of support to your audience or anyone who is listening who has interested in coming and checking out Taiwan. Come to me. Right on. Excellent. Do you listen to music, sir? Yeah, absolutely. Excellent, excellent. The last question I want to ask you then, what song would you like on the Crypto 101 Spotify playlist? Everybody that comes on the show has given me a song or two or three to put on the playlist so people can hear what well, the congressman, the crypto congressman is listening to. Oh, that's a cool question. <laughs> you know, I, I am a, I'm sort of an 80s person. I would say um, I really like U2, you know, I, um, right I like a lot of U2 songs. I would say Where the Streets Have No Name. I think that's a really good one, you know, because I listen to it every day when I go out for jogging every morning. Oh, really? Uh, I think, yeah, and I think about all the things I'm doing and I just feel that we can achieve something together. That would be my uh, number one pick. Yeah. Do you have a number two pick? Boy, oh, good question. Um, One's enough. I, I like one. Yeah. We'll, we'll stick at one. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Jason Shu, Congressman, Taiwan, inspirational, progressive thinker, leader. Thank you very much for coming on Crypto 101, sir. Thank you. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Augama, A-U-G-A-M-A. That's where I publish all my thoughts. And uh, also on LinkedIn, search Jason Shi and Congressman. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, Jason. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> and hopefully to see you in Taipei soon. Or in Tainan. Yeah, indeed. Okay. Have a good day, Matt. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. Remember, after this episode, head over to our YouTube channel, Crypto 101 with Matthew Aaron, to check out the roundup of this episode where I give you my thoughts, my feelings, and opinions of what was said during the conversation. In our next episode, we have on Mr. Chun Ju Ling, COO of ELF, and we're going to do an ELF 101. And before we go, like always, ApogeeCrypto.com to check out your real-time prices. If you like CoinMarketCap, give them a shot. What a great website. And if you like reading about crypto news, cryptonews.com. We'll see you in next episodes of Crypto 101. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.